I will sing, sing, sing to my God, for you've been good always. Today we have an opportunity to transform the way that we see the world, change the way we live by faith in a broken world. And we all know that we live in a broken world where bad things routinely and randomly happen to good and innocent people. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your goodness. And I pray that as we seek to flip the lens on how we see the world and how we see tragedies and how we see loss, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and guide us here this morning. Father God, speak through me. May your words be anointed by the Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Flip the lens. I first heard about this experiment back in seminary. But did you know that when you and I are first born, that our eyes in the first couple days see the world upside down? You may not remember that, uh, but that's what they say. Theodore Ayersman of the University of Innsbruck has this experiment that he does where he created some goggles with mirrors that flip everything upside down like it was when we were first born. Uh, if you were to wear them, they may look something like this. There we go. Now, y'all run and get the money out of my pockets as uh, it rolls across the stage. You know, if you wear these, uh, you do this experiment, and you wear these goggles for about 10 days, then your brain will flip the world back right side up. But when you take the goggles off, then everything gets upside down again, and it takes a few days to adjust. So that's kind of how it is when we're born. We come to the world, and it takes a couple days for our eyes to adapt and invert our vision. In fact, you can test this a little bit yourself. I, I read this online, so I know this is going to work. Um, if you will take your index finger and touch the top left, top left of your eyeball, eyelid, <laughs> you'll see a black spot at the bottom right of your vision. Y'all see that black spot? You can do it. I practiced a lot. But if you do that, you can see a black spot on the right side of your eye, and you touch the left side, and that's called inversion. I know my uh, ophthalmologist is going to give me a hard time after this message for being an eye doctor. Um, you know, our lives get turned upside down through loss. And nothing makes that happen more than we lose a loved one. Or we read about some tragedy, some, some child, some innocent victim's life is taken. This morning, if your heart has been broken by loss, will you touch your heart? If your heart's been broken, would you touch your heart? Now, I would say if you're not touching your heart, you probably haven't been alive long enough. Because sooner or later, all of our hearts will be broken by loss. Our good friend Bill Balknot is preaching in the other room, and uh, he shared the story of Northwest Airlines pilot who was landing his plane in Memphis International Airport. There was a strong wind blowing, but also he was a bit distracted, and the landing was really rough. You've been on one of those planes, right, when you just didn't know if you are going to make it down? And the, and the plane slammed down onto the runway. Nobody was hurt, but everybody on board was shaken up. In the Northwest Air, it's the custom that the pilots required that the pilots stand by the cockpit door and, and greet the passengers as they exit the plane. 
Now, he was a little bit nervous that, mor that morning because of the comments he was going to receive, but, but nobody said anything until the last person, the last passenger. She was an elderly little woman walking with a cane. She stopped and looked up at the pilot and said, Sonny, did we land or were we shot down? <laughs> now, I always have those times when we feel like we've been shot down, right? On those days when it's hard to believe, Romans 8, 28, which declares... All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are seeking to fit into his plans. It's hard to rejoice when we feel like we've been shot down. It's hard to find joy. And life can break our hearts in many ways. Now, here at Mount Horb, this weekend is All Saints Sunday. And All Saints Sunday is the Sunday of the year that we remember all those who have died who are members in our church during the past year. And so at the end of the service, we're going to remember those saints that we've lost from our membership, who we believe are in heaven and gained a, an eternal membership. And death can be a natural part of the cycle of life, but we all know there are times when loss can be tragic and unexpected and catastrophic. It doesn't matter whether it's a natural death or a tragic death. It's still a loss, and it's still bad, and it's bad in different ways. And the reality is when we experience the loss of a loved one, life will never be the same again. Life will never be the same again. And we all experience loss, do we not? And it could be a loss from a natural disaster like a flood or a hurricane or a tornado. It can be the diagnosis of a terminal illness. It can be the loss of our home, a broken marriage, a broken family, a divorce. For some here this morning, it's been the loss of a job, the loss of a career, a loss of a way of life. It can be a disability. It can be emotional or physical or even sexual abuse. Loss can be some crushing disappointment. How do we find joy? How do we find a way to rejoice? This morning, none of us get a pass on pain. None of us get a pass on suffering and loss. But the good news is we have a God who is faithful, a God who has the power to renew, a God who has the power to redeem, to restore. As I prayed and prepared for this sermon, God reminded me of the losses I've experienced in my life growing up. The loss of a family when I was seven years old, being removed from the home and placed in a foster home. And all those things that went with that through the years. I also thought about the loss of so many saints here at this church over 23 years. Hundreds of people who have gone on to be with God. The Lord also led me to this incredible little book by Jerry Sitzer. The book is called A Grace Disguised, How the Soul Grows Through Loss. The book is listed at the bottom of your notes, and we have some, a few copies available. And if not, we can certainly order you one if you would email us here at the church. It's a great read. Jerry Sitzer and his family were driving home from a visit to an Indian reservation. In the car was 
his mother, his wife, and four children. A drunk driver with his pregnant wife crossed the center line and hit them head on, taking the life of the pregnant mom who was with the drunk driver, taking the life of Jerry Sitzer's mom, Jerry Sitzer's wife, and his youngest child. In a moment, three generations gone. If you've experienced loss, it's a great read, how the soul grows through loss. So this morning, how can we flip the lens on loss, on tragedy, on suffering, on pain? I want to give you three truths. The first one is this, life is not fair, but God is good. Life is not fair, but God is good. Jesus said it this way in John 16, 33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials. You will have sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now this morning, if you expect life to be fair, you'll be disappointed. People fail. Systems fail. And it's frustrating, isn't it, when people who deserve to suffer lead long and seemingly happy lives, while people who are good people who deserve to be blessed seem to have one loss, one tragedy after another. It's very frustrating. You see, we want to live in a world where those who work hard and do right are rewarded, while those who are slackers and mean-spirited, they fail. But the question we need to ask is, do we really want to live in a world of total fairness where we get exactly what we deserve? Sitzer points out in his book that it would be far better, and it's far better to live in a world of grace. A world of grace is where we get far better than we deserve. The grace of God gives us far better than we deserve. Life is not fair, but God is good. We serve a good and gracious and sovereign God. And I want you to hear this this morning, and we're going to unpack this more next week. But this good and gracious sovereign God that we love and serve chooses not to control everything that happens in this sin-broken, ravaged world. In order for you and I to have free will, to be able to choose to love God and choose to follow God. God has limited his control to set us free. And I believe there are many events that happen in this world that violate God's will and that break the heart of God. That's a great mystery. But not everything that happens is God's plan, but everything is useful in God's hand. Not everything that happens is God's plan, but everything is useful in God's hand. God does not intend everything that happens, but God superintends everything that happens. God is good, and God is with us in our pain. God is good, and God is with us in our loss. We live in a world of difficulty and trouble and unfairness, but friends, take heart, because Jesus has overcome the world, and that's our promise today. That's a good thing. The second way we flip the lens is to see your pain or see your loss through the lens of hope. 
through the lens of hope. When your world is turned upside down, look through the lens of hope. Because we can't control life, but we can choose to live in hope. We can choose to live in faith. The two central truths of the gospel, the good news about Jesus that give me great hope, is the grace of God leads to forgiveness and the resurrection of Jesus leads to eternal life. Those two points give me great hope. That the grace of God leads to forgiveness and the resurrection of Jesus leads to eternal life. Now, what is hope? Let me give you this definition. It's a strong and confident expectation that what God has promised is true. No matter what happens in this world, what God has promised is true. Our verse this morning that Jeff read for us, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to give you some great truths about hope this morning. God is the source of our hope, and hope changes the way we see loss. I could not face the loss of being 30 years in the ministry without hope, without the hope of the resurrection that leads to eternal life, without the hope that comes from Scripture that says, God says, I'll be with you always. Hope changes the way we see what's important. You know, we get so focused on this planet and upon the things that are here that we lose sight of a future that we have with God. That eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who love him, who live in his hope. And where do we find this hope? This hope is declared in the living word of God. Again, in chapter 15, in Romans 4, such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us. I was talking to some fellows yesterday about the hope that we have in Scripture, that these Scriptures that were written so long ago are so full of hope today because they were inspired by the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. I want you to hear the word patiently because the, the hope we discover in loss and in pain doesn't come overnight. It may take weeks and months and even years to find the hope in the midst of loss and pain. Hope depends on us choosing to trust in God's grace and goodness. See, God gives us that choice. We can choose to trust his grace and his goodness. And this hope is developed through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's great news for me. I don't have to muster up this hope. But this hope comes when I read Scripture, when I look at the life of Jesus, and when I allow the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit within me to give me hope. And even in Romans, we read that when we don't know what to pray, when we're in anguish because of loss and suffering and pain, that the Holy Spirit will pray on our behalf in groanings that we can't even understand through the power of the Holy Spirit. In reading this book, A Grace Disguised, 
Jerry Sitzer talks about a, a recurring dream that he had. As he was overwhelmed by darkness and overwhelmed by loss, in the dream, he would be running toward the west before the sun would set. He wanted to stay in the light because he was so surrounded by darkness. But as he ran to the west, the sun kept going down, and he never could quite get there. He would look over his shoulder and see to the east the darkness. He said in the dream, because he couldn't reach the setting sun, the darkness would overcome him and overwhelm him and bring him crushing to his knees, a feeling of being overwhelmed with despair. And this dream impacted him, and he didn't understand the meaning of it. And finally, I think it was his sister said to him, if you want to get to the light, you can't go west. You got to go east. You got to go back into the darkness because the rising sun will be there sooner. You see, that's one of the hard things about loss and grief is we got to go face our pain. We can't run from it. We can't hide from it. We got to face it. Run toward the east. So choice is the key in facing our pain and flipping the lens on our loss. We can run from the darkness or we can enter into the darkness and face the pain. We can indulge in self-pity or we can empathize with others and embrace their pain as ours. Some of the greatest ministers of the gospel are those who have learned how to embrace pain and empathize with others. Again, I listened to Bill Baltonite's message. And in his message today, he's going to talk about the death of his eight-year-old son. And over the last 40 years of ministry, how God has used that experience to help him embrace people with pain and loss. It's a choice we make to embrace our pain. We can run away from sorrow. We can drown it in addictions, or we can learn to live and be grateful and joyful, even though there seems little reason for it. We can return evil for evil, or we can overcome evil with good. It's our choice. And we have God's Word and God's Spirit to guide us. But I believe when we make a choice to move toward God's power, then we stop being victims and living our lives as victims. Now, I know that's not an easy choice, but we have a suffering Savior who understands our sorrow, a Savior who went to a cross, whose blood was shed, whose body was broken, who understands our sorrow. We have a God who watched his son die on a cruel Roman cross, and he sent us the power of his Holy Spirit to help us in our grief and in our loss. And if we choose to remain in the darkness, the darkness will overwhelm us. We will be overcome by despair. We will walk in times of depression. And if we're not careful, we will experience the death of our souls. The death of our souls. And let me tell you, the death of our souls is far worse than the death of our lives. God wants to heal our souls. He wants to restore the joy of our salvation. I was talking with a friend on Friday, kind of sharing with him where I was going in the talk this weekend. 
And he shared with me that when he was 11 years old, his father died suddenly, unexpectedly, leaving behind him and three other siblings and a mom, a single mom to raise four children. He shared that as he lived out his life, he never got close to anybody, real close, because he didn't know it at the time, but he was afraid that they would die too. He went through a failed marriage and went into a second marriage. And about five years into the second marriage, his, his wife said, you need to get some help. You need to go talk to somebody because something is not quite clicking here. So he went and talked to a counselor, a Christian counselor, and told his story about when his dad had died at 11. And the counselor said to him, I want you to go get a box of Kleenexes I want you to go sit down and write a letter to your dad and tell your dad everything that you want to tell him, that you never got to tell him after he died. And my friend shared that was such an incredible experience that he just sat there and bawled like a baby as he said things to his dad that he never got to say at 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15. He said he had to go and face the pain, had to walk back into that darkness. But from doing that, God's grace and God's power set him free. And it changed his outlook on life. And it gave him greater empathy for people who experience loss. And God is using him in powerful ways to share his story of healing and hope. The third way that we flip the lens is we trust God to bring good from our pain. This morning, will you trust God to bring good from your pain? Now, let me be clear this morning that the good doesn't erase the pain. It doesn't erase the loss. Nothing can do that. When you lose someone you love, life is never the same again. But God can bring good from your pain. I want to share some examples with you this morning of folks that have trusted God to bring good from their pain. Some of them are here today as family members. I was sharing again with someone this story of this sermon, and you know, you hear me talking about a sermon during the week, it's probably because I'm struggling with it, <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking for help. And I was talking to someone else about this sermon, and they shared with me the story of Tobin Castle, a leader in our community the president of Southeastern Trucking, who two years ago lost his 21-year-old son in a tragic death. He suggested I go and listen to his sermon that he gave at Shandon Baptist, where Tobin tells of the pain and the overwhelming grief, the sadness that he and his wife experienced. But he goes on to talk in the message about the hope that he and his wife discovered in Christ how that through his son's death, hundreds of young people have come to know Jesus Christ, how he and his wife began a Bible study in their home for young adults, and students come to their home and learn about the good news and the hope that's found in Jesus Christ, how recently they've opened up a shelter named Toby's Place for women and children through the Oliver Gospel Mission. You see... Life will never be the same again, but with God's help, life can be good again. 
I thought about the hundreds of people that have died through the years here at Mount Horeb on this All Saints weekend. I thought about one of uh, my good friends who we brought on staff here many, many years ago. I want to put his picture up on the screen, Mickey Havard. What a great guy. I know when I did his funeral, I was, my heart was broken because he was such a good friend. Mickey was our financial secretary in the church. He took care of everybody's offering and he kept it all secret. <laughs> it really bothered him sometimes when people weren't being very good about their giving. I say, Mickey, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. But he'd pray for you. He'd pray for you. He said, I want God to change their heart so they can realize that God is a source of their blessing. Yeah, there's not a Monday or Tuesday that goes by that I don't look at a counter's report that I usually don't think about Mickey. Mickey was overwhelmed by the generosity of this church. He was overwhelmed by the growth of this church. And as his family mourns his loss, there are so many good things that have come out of Mickey's life. He would be blown away if he could see this. And I'm sure from heaven, he probably has a twinkle in his eye. We want to celebrate those people that have blessed us because their life stands for good things. They remind us of good things that God is doing. I got another picture I want to put up on the screen, and you may recognize this person, little Emma Longstreet. Her family is here this morning, and many of you know that uh, Emma's life was taken by a, a drunk driver. In talking to David, he said, certainly their hearts were broken. Their hearts are still broken. But there's so much good that came from the loss of Emma. They know that she's in the arms of Jesus. They're going to certainly miss her life and miss her future and miss her accomplishments. But they're thankful that she's with Jesus and that she'll be able to show them all the things and tell them all the things about heaven when they get there. It'll be awesome. How news traveled quickly over the first week in January via Facebook and YouTube and news and video clips, giving witness to her short life of six and a half years. How hundreds of people came to know Jesus, followers of Jesus because of her example and their example as a family. See, there was an eternal good outcome. And through Emma's death, by a car driven by a repeat intoxicated offender, because of their decision to walk toward God's hope, Emma's law was passed, a law that expands the punishment for all convicted drunk drivers, where there is an ignition interlock device that's installed on cars for up to six months. And several reports show that death by intoxicated drivers is on the decrease in South Carolina due to the passage of Emma's law. Life will never be the same again, but with God's help, life can be good again. We find our hope in Jesus Christ. One other person I want to lift up this morning was a good friend who was a giant in our church in many ways and in our community, Ed Hartung. Some of you know Ed. Ed was killed in a tragic accident on 378 
right after retiring. And Ed was instrumental in getting the Emmanuel ministry, wheelchair, wheelchair ramp ministry started here at Mount Horeb. In fact, on the day that his life was taken, he, was, he had been working on two ramps that day. And talking to his wife, Char, about the pain, about the loss, she shared that now Emmanuel has built over 220 ramps across the Midlands. See, life will never be the same again, but with God's help, life can be good again. That's our hope in Jesus Christ. You know, when Ed died, he died at the, where Shore Road meets 378. I'm always amazed at the times, Shar, I know you're here somewhere this morning and your family, that when I crest that hill at 378 at Shore Road, I, there's always some amazing sun displays there. You know, the sun just shining through the clouds. And it's just really powerful. I never see that sun shining in the clouds. I don't think about Ed and that he's in heaven. And it gives me great hope. And that his legacy and his life lives on in good ways here in the Midlands and here in our church, as it does in Emma's life, as it does in Mickey's life, as it does in Toby Castle's life. And this morning, as I look across this audience, there are many of you that have been touched by the loss of a loved one. And you can smile today because God can give you joy in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your loss. Life will never be the same, but it certainly can be good again. Now, as we close this service, we're going to do something a little different as we remember all the saints that have died in the past year at Mount Horeb. We're going to kind of let their names begin to roll on the screens. As their names roll up there, we're going to have a moment of silence. Would you just be silent before the Lord? As you see these names, give thanks for what they bring to this church, their memory, their life, their legacy. Say a word of prayer for their families and friends. Father God, I thank you for the life of those who have lived here among us as a congregation. And I thank you that you have received them into eternity. We trust them into your loving hands because you're a good, good God. You're a gracious God who loves us as your people. And Father God, as we remember their lives and, and all across this room we remember lives of loved ones who've gone to be with you. Give us the hope. Give us the help of the Holy Spirit to give us joy. As you think about the good that can come into our lives, 
by the example and by the legacy of those we've loved. Now bless your people today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now as we sing this closing song, there are some stations all over the sanctuary, four stations actually, where you can come with the ushers helping and you can light a candle in memory of someone you've lost. Would you do that this morning all across the room? There's stations back here and to the front. Just light a candle to honor those who you've lost and receive the hope that is found in faith in Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to stand as we worship and would you come and take a time to light a candle to honor the memory of someone you love that you lost.